You ever have that feeling where you're not sure if you're awake or still dreaming? Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. The idea that has always fascinated me about dreams is everything within that dream is created by your own mind as you experience it. You remember the chance to build cathedrals, entire cities, things that never existed, things that couldn't exist in the real world. Have you ever had a dream, Neil, that you were so sure was real? Once you were able to wake from that dream, how would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? Hello and welcome back to the Lucid Dreaming Podcast. This is episode 27 and today I have an interview with Daniel Love who is a uh, lucid dreaming practitioner, longtime practitioner and researcher and uh, author of a fairly known book uh, called Are You Dreaming? And um, an interesting guy all around who's involved in all sorts of lucid dreaming projects and uh, related projects. And uh, I think uh, I've I known about him for a while, but haven't really dug into his material or, or spoken to him until now that he launched his Kickstarter project, which we'll dis- we will discuss on the episode, on the interview. And uh, I think he's a fascinating guy, and I really enjoyed this uh, chat, and I think you will as well. I think it made for a really interesting conversation about a variety of nuances in this uh, topic and this endeavor of ours. Uh, before I get to the interview, uh, just a few little updates. I was interviewed myself on Meaning of Life TV, which is a, a website that has video interviews with all sorts of people about all sorts of subjects. Uh, you can guess by the title, Meaning of Life TV, that uh, the type of stuff that's on there. I obviously was talking about lucid dreaming. If you want to check that out, I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can go to meaningoflife.tv slash videos slash 34445. And that's about it. Let's, uh, let's get on with the interview. Uh, today uh, on the show, I have with me a special guest, Daniel Love, who is, and fill fill me in here uh, if I'm if I'm missing anything. But for the most part, you're a lucid dreaming, uh, longtime practitioner and researcher and author of a relatively uh, known book in in this uh, community. Uh, Are you dreaming? And um, welcome to the show, Daniel. Oh, fantastic! Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, we we've I've had a few people on on Twitter and elsewhere kind of uh, suggest to have you on the show. And I, I was always sort of aware of you in the background, but I, uh, I haven't uh, read your book, as I told you, but I've, I've you know, known about your website and read some, some articles. Uh, I'm wondering if you can fill me in on the rest of sort of what you do or maybe a, a little bit of background. Uh, you don't have to get into too much detail, but uh, your background with lucid dreaming and how you got into it. Yeah, well, to be honest, it's I, I do tend to keep in the background. I've never been a, a big fan of the whole idea of lucid dreaming experts or standing on a podium and preaching to people. I consider myself just a passionate lucid dreamer like yourself, and I think we all should have should have an equal platform here. So that that's the the approach I prefer to take because it's such a massive field, and we we really need to work together and just accept that it's still very much in its infancy and take it from there work as a sort of hive mind as it, as it were to 
to get to the bottom of it. Um, as for my my own background, I started lucid dreaming very early in life. I was unfortunate enough to suffer from terrible parasomnias, uh, such as sleepwalking, awful nightmares as a very young child. So lucid dreaming, I, I wouldn't say it came naturally, but it was a bit of a battle. It was my my defense mechanism for for fighting these terrible experiences. But from there on, I just, obviously, once you you master lucid dreaming, for want of a better term, uh, I'm not sure whether one can ever truly master lucid dreaming, um, it became somewhat of an addiction, and I just had to throw myself fully into it. So, <laughs> yeah. Initially, once I was an adult, I sort of went the the path of teaching workshops and possibly a little egotistical. I think a lot of people who first get into this want to sort of be the one to tell everyone about lucid dreaming and become quite evangelical. Um, but I found that rather tedious in, in its own way because you're just repeating yourself. You're saying the same things over and over again. And it all becomes a bit of an ego trip. And I sort of fortunately grew out of that quite quickly. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, at a time before the internet, or at least before this topic on the internet really uh, took off in recent years, uh, you know, I think uh, a bunch of us were some of the few people that people knew um, that had some some sort of regular lucid dreaming, uh, spontaneous or, or, or an active practice when we were just looking for the few books out there that, that were doing it. And, and yeah. it's hard not to want to tell people about this. Of course. Uh, of course. When, they, when they can't look it up somewhere or, or have heard of it from you know, some uh, reference or movie or pop culture thing or something. Yeah. I mean, times have changed so very much since the days of uh, the Lucidity Institute forums and Nightlight magazine and all yeah. of those things. It's uh, now it's it's quite hard to find someone who doesn't know what lucid dreaming is, which I, I think is a great thing. But at the same time, it comes with its own darker side with all of the pseudoscience and less palatable aspects that seem to have latched onto the subject uh, yeah which is perhaps something we can talk about later because one of my my main ambitions really is to try and clean the topic up slightly and be a bit of a a voice of dissent when it comes to the over spiritualization of lucid dreaming which i feel is not really in in the best interest of the subject i i'm not against people following sort of philosophical tangents or their own spiritual path but i think it's best to keep that private and to to have that as your own private practice rather than make lucid dreaming about spirituality because it essentially isn't so. yeah i mean that's a that's a really tough one because uh i i sort of um separate or i try to separate the various um I don't even know how to how to if I say just paranormal, it doesn't really cover it. Yeah. And maybe maybe new age or new agey stuff is a bigger umbrella that covers a bunch of it. Yeah. And yet there's spirituality, which is a problematic word, uh, you know, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, but has something has something to it in terms of, um, you know, there's it's just not a, a better word for it, unfortunately. Yeah. That covers I mean, I, I, a. Yes. Sorry, sorry, go on. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Uh, I, I agree completely. I, th I think the word I tend to lean towards is, rather than use spirituality, I prefer to use the word philosophy. Um, I don't know whether that's any better or whether it's just playing yeah. with semantics. But um, I, I would I, consider uh, philosophy 
mostly a, a cognitive conceptual sort of, let's say, frameworks yeah. uh, in, in conceptualizing or thinking about something, although philosophy can lead to practicality and in, in, in action, but yeah. um, spiritual, or at least where spirituality comes in, in terms of just uh, mindfulness, uh, meditation, states of consciousness, and, and so on, is a more experiential component of yeah. it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's where I would, uh, where, would separate yeah. those. So when did you write your, your book? I'm curious. When did that come out? I believe it was in 2013. I have a memory like a sieve for these things. So let me, <laughs> let me just double check. Yeah, 2013 was the, the 1st of January. Um, yeah, so that, that's we, already when, when a lot of the material was, was out there in the world. So, oh, yeah. So I'm curious, is, is there, what would you, how would you um, position that or, or, or say what, what's in the book that, that's slightly different? Because I, I can tell you're always trying to go for the non-standard uh, regurgitated approach. Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there are certain things that have to be repeated, right. um, which is unfortunate, but that's just the way the world works. So if you want to educate people, you need to give them the basics. Yeah, unless you're writing only for people who are already experienced, which is, you know, very limited. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's, have, that, have to repeat it. that, that's something I'd like to get into, but I think we're not quite large enough in numbers yet to, to be yep. viable as a, a project. Um, but the, the angle with Are You Dreaming was really, well, it was a lifelong goal, really, to, to get this book out there. And the problem, like we've just touched on, I've always had is this sort of marriage of lucid dreaming with spirituality, which just to reiterate, I'm not against, but I just, as someone who's a bit more scientifically minded, I've, I've always sort of skimmed through books before buying them. And mm. you see the, the chapter titles of telepathy and dreams and all of these things. And <laughs> each time I see that in the book, I'm like, I want to read this, but this really makes me not want to buy it. So I wanted to give people who were more like me something which they could read, which wouldn't rub them up the wrong way and right. just broaden the audience for lucid dreaming because it's easy for us to forget in, in, the, in, in our world of lucid dreaming that for people outside of it, it can still be quite a flaky new age subject. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be nice to, to widen its appeal and just make it a little more accessible. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was tempted at some point to start using the, word, the, 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 uh, the term conscious dreaming as opposed to lucid dreaming. Yeah. Uh, ju just for maybe uh, removing some of the stigma, but it's hard. I mean, it's so cemented as lucid dreaming, and I, I, I like the word lucid, uh, but you know, yeah. for some people, it's, it, it brings a connotation of new age, weird, woo-woo stuff. It, it's difficult, and I think it's just something we, we have to live with, but probably the best thing we can do is just to add a bit of weight to the other side of the, the scales so that things balance out, because it, it is a deeply profound experience and one which lends itself to spiritual thought. But at the same time, it can be used very practically and it, or just even simply for entertainment or for those who are interested in how their minds work. The, I think my, my approach really would be if people want to talk about spirituality or their beliefs, 
I don't have a problem with that as long as they, they make it clear that what they're talking about is a speculation or a belief. It's when you start picking up books and they start saying dream telepathy is a real thing or um, <laughs> then then that's frustrating because you know bring the facts to the table give us your evidence and then start to make those claims but don't just tell people outright I mean partly my issue with this is as a teenager and I think a lot of teenagers go through this you're so hungry for knowledge about the world and the the metaphysical aspects of life seem so very appealing. They're so exciting. I mean, if they were true, what what could be a more exciting field to get into? Yeah. And I think there's a danger, and it happened to me briefly, of being drawn into those subjects and just kind of wasting a lot of mental energy. And I kind of, I, I almost feel like some of the books I've read in the past have been a form of theft. It's sort of stolen, an intellectual form of, of theft where my time has been stolen. And I could have invested that in, studying a subject with foundations in reality. Um, I know I'm going to rub up a l- people the wrong way with this, but uh, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally with you. That's that's the thing. And, and, that's, and, and it makes it hard because of I have such a big interest in lucid dreaming and there are so many books and like uh you know like pop-up shops of of suddenly uh, another person writes a blog and another person writes a book and i know that i'm sort of i don't know if guilty of that but 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 one of those people that suddenly show up out of nowhere and starts writing or podcasting about the subject uh and and I, i i've mentioned it so many times throughout the the podcast i only try to do something that's at least relatively new or has some angle that's interesting that hasn't been explored yet yeah and keeping it in a realm of science uh, but it, it prevents me from picking up another lucid dreaming book because of so many times where I just I bought another one uh, and I'm and and halfway through it I I, I just uh, why am I reading this? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a waste of time. And also, I suppose the problem when you're sort of when you know the subject. Yeah, well, when you know the subject and when you're you're known in the field, there you you become part of a a clique in a way. There's I mean you've probably come across this. There's various sections of the the higher ranks of yeah. lucid dreaming authorities who, <laughs> who who share certain beliefs and they yeah. tend to look out for each other and it's it's human nature i suppose an evolutionary trait to want to be part of the pack and thus it kind of makes you give in and sort of lessen your stance ever so slightly and I, I i've been guilty of this i found myself being involved in projects which when i step back i think hmm should i be doing this is this am i helping promote lucid dreaming as a a subject in its own right or am i pushing it in the wrong direction and every time i catch myself doing that i i try to correct it or step back yeah um, and, and it's hard to sort of tell in advance i'm thinking of the example of the movie which i thoroughly enjoyed but is very problematic in this sense um what the bleep do we know uh and they they interviewed scientists uh, talking about science and then within the the movie they frame it in all sorts of different ways to imply different things that may or may not be true yeah many of which probably aren't true uh, and, and there's at least one of the scientists I know that that ha- has regretted, um, you know, being on the movie and, and later realized that how how the whole interview was framed. Uh, and it's it's really yeah. hard to know in advance in some of these cases. But I 
I, I totally hear you. It's it's something to sort of look out for. I don't think it's uh, it's too bad. Or I, I mean, I don't know. Lucid dreaming is not that big of a field quite yet, where uh, there's more cases of it. But there's plenty of from from events talking about a, you know a wide range of um, paranormal stuff or spiritual stuff or astral projections and all all those things uh, just to 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 more benign variations. But uh, I get it. <laughs> um, I wanted to. Uh, uh, just ask you uh, about something because I, I, for some reason, I haven't come across uh, until preparing for this podcast. Uh, something uh, that I now just read and, and found interesting in your work uh, is the cycle adjustment technique. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you want to give a quick rundown of that? Yeah, it's it's a pretty simple technique, really. I think it it sounds a lot more complicated than the the reality of the the practice. The idea really is just that the majority of techniques focus around psychological preparation, uh, such as all-day awareness, these sorts of things. And I'm a big believer that a lot of lucid dreaming is has a biological or neurological basis. So we're kind of just pushing our, our bodies out of synchronization with what they should be doing. And um, that creates sort of a a burst of awareness where it wouldn't have been otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so the cycle adjustment technique is really a means to achieve that. So the basic principle is you would, for say a week, wake up 90 minutes earlier than you usually would, just to sort of adjust your sleep cycle so that that becomes your, your standard pattern. Mm -hmm. And then following that week, you alternate between the earlier waking and waking at your later time, your, uh, the, the point is there that during the time on the days where you sleep in later, your mind is going to be more alert. It's kind of, um, I mean, it's very similar to wake back to bed, really, just with yeah. the addition of, you know, this cycle shift. The, 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 yeah, that's very interesting. The, the, the time scales and the timing used in in my book and on the internet is is really just a suggestion it's not set in stone i most of the things i suggest i just want people to start experimenting with so uh, i i don't think there's any clear cut answers as to what the right way to do these things are and hopefully if more and more people try an experiment and we get feedback on on what people find as effective yeah then we can slowly sort of hone in on what's the correct approach but i i think it's useful to especially with say the advent of the uh, chemicals such as galantamine which, which which proved to us that they're that lucid dreaming has this biological basis mm -hmm. i mean if you can take a pill change your brain chemistry and that makes lucid lucidity all the more easier then that's a big yeah. implication. Yeah, for me, that was always somewhat obvious, even before galantamine, in terms of, um, again, my, my fascination with the brain led me to the conclusion, and I, I know we can't sort of just reduce brain states and brain chemistry to, uh, to subjective states of consciousness, but there's always correlation. It's all, at the bottom, a matter of brain functions. Um, and... I think that even when we're just tricking ourselves or using uh, um, uh, perspective memory or, or wake back to bed is we're, we're making adjustments to how the brain works 
in order to to trigger lucidity in a sense. Yeah. And I think and I do and and that's actually the reason why I believe that technology will eventually sort of make techniques obsolete and that's controversial or not that's my my belief uh, at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I think that the it sounds like the psychoadjustment technique is an interesting approach because I've heard um you know people have success with things like dream rebound uh yeah. and again the more the more disru- disruptive it is for sleep the less sustainable uh, technique is yeah um this one sounds very interesting like it doesn't you had you don't have to wake up at, in the middle of the night or or things like that um but I do I do also believe and this is one of the fascinating things about techniques and supplements and all those things that it as far as I can tell from all these years of sort of reading and talking to people nothing works 100% for for everyone or or in a larger degree for everyone um yeah. even things that are as relatively reliable for a lot of people like galantamine don't work for some people at all myself yeah. included by the way oh, really? but i know that they work for many many other people yes uh why i don't know that the, probably the explanation is brain chemistry whatever my you know brain chemistry setup is just either doesn't work with it or maybe it needs different quantity or maybe something else is uh, getting involved that it's just throwing it off for some reason yeah um, who knows it's the, it'll be interesting to, to figure this out one day somehow but yeah I, I, I can I can I completely agree with all of those points I think that there's a tendency especially in forums and well throughout the entire field of these things to obsess on technique yeah it's it's kind of, it's almost a bit of a disease of the lucidity enthusiast. I mean, the amount of new techniques ending in IELD. <laughs> We've worked through the alphabet so many times already. It's, uh, yeah, I, I make fun of that all the time. So thanks for adding a cat in there. So that's... that's yeah, nice. I, I, I wanted to go to a different angle with that one. Um, <laughs> Good move. But yeah, I, I, I really think that, I mean, I've been rereading uh, Saint-Denis mm-hmm. and his dream, dreams and the means to direct them. And it's fascinating seeing this early pioneer of lucid dreaming and how he approached the subject. And I mean, essentially, his the basis for his entire practice was simply to record and observe. And within a very short period of time, his dream recall was pretty much perfect. I think it was 179 days and of recording his dreams until he had perfect recall nice. and then 202 days uh, of this practice he had his first lucid dream and f- 15 months later following this just continuous recall and observation just developing a relationship with his dreams he then had perfect lucidity um and i mean that's what we all look for really i mean i yeah, I've been I've been trying to scream this from the rooftops and telling everybody two made two aspects uh, about dream recall and, and, and dream journaling yeah. in the in the service of dream recall is that if you can only do if if you if you're getting into lucid dreaming and you're overwhelmed by all the techniques and things and that if there's if you do only one thing write down your dreams improve your dream recall yeah um, and that even if you want to do techniques you should do that to create a basis for the techniques to actually work. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is my theory, uh, and you, it sounds like more people are validating this, is that if you just write down your dreams uh, and increase dream recall to a certain degree, 
at some point you'll just naturally cross over to lucidity because all lucidity is and as far as I'm concerned or as far as I can tell is just dream awareness and the more awareness you have it just at some point it's not like a hard line but at some point you sort of cross into the spectrum of uh, metacognition and, and, and conscious awareness and dreams and you're you become lucid naturally just by having increased awareness which is why I think also mindfulness meditation helps and works but uh, I know a few uh, at least a few people that all they did was was increased dream recall by writing down their dreams and they started spontaneously lucid dreaming more and more frequently yeah I think it's I would add to that that just writing down the dreams wouldn't be quite enough it's it's the reflection the familiarity yeah, yeah. yes absolutely so because what what you're doing is you're building a relationship with your dreaming mind you're just understanding how that world works and the the difference is how um yeah i mean i i think it's hard to write down your dreams without doing that but uh, consciously doing that to a larger degree can probably help um yeah and and of course from that springs so many other things of start, starting to notice patterns in your dreams and all the little nuances that that come from actually writing and reading and thinking about the content of your dreams that's very cool i think the i think the problem most people have with this is it's it's hard work yep and and probably quite well not probably we we both know it's quite a boring task to wake up in the middle of the night and jot down what you've just been dreaming and it it goes against everything you want to do because you're yeah all you want to do is just pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep but <laughs> Uh, have you looked into or, or, or experimented with a writing versus recording your dreams? Audio versus... Uh... I, I I do both. Um, I tend to record just because it's so much easier to have a, a voice yeah. recorder by the side of the bed. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll go over those in the morning and write them down. I think there's something to be said for both approaches. I... I don't know whether I'd say I'd have a preference for one or the other, which is why why I combine them. But it's it's nice to be able to to sit back and read read through your dream journals years later and just remind yourself of something that yeah that happened sure. to you for sure. And I and again, I'm a big fan of the searchability of of writing down digitally. Although I know that people are saying even for um, students learning in school or something to write down notes. Uh, helps with memory, so I've always wondered if there's a if the, if one if that if that is not a myth and that is actually true, but also if that affects uh, you know dream recall and dream awareness when you're writing down your dreams with a pen and paper. But I don't know. Yeah, I'd, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because I mean, I can't give anything more than anecdotal uh, experience on this, but my ability to write the the written well, the written word versus the typed word. <laughs> um, the 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 quality and the the style of my writing are two very different things, depending on which I choose. Uh, personally, I prefer what I write when it's typed, but it, it's interesting that there is a difference, and I wonder why that is. I mean, it would be fascinating to to know more about that. And yeah, um, I, I might actually look into see if there's any studies that have been done, but. There are none that I've made myself aware of yet. Well, um, I wanted to I wanted to ask you a little about uh, there's I, I, just plenty I still want to get into, but uh, I know that you were sort of consulting with Finite Films on Anamnesis, which is uh, if anybody listening and haven't seen the web series, uh, it's fantastic, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes again. 
Uh, I had them on the podcast. Fantastic group of guys uh, that did a yeah, re- remark- just a remarkable job uh, with it. So how did yeah. you get involved um, and, and what, uh, what was that uh, like? Um, I think it's quite a while ago now, so I'm just trying to remember how we made contact. I, I think we... Was Arthur? I think Arthur was <laughs> connecting people. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know. It could, it could well have been that it, it, we were both running Kickstarters at similar times, um, and I think we sort of connected via that that platform. And yeah, so it was obviously mutually beneficial for both of us to be sort of working together. Were you doing the translating dreams thing, or was that were you involved in that? Was that yours? Yeah, that that was translating dreams. That was back when I wanted to to get Sandini's book translated into English, which on a side note for anyone who's interested, um, it's just been completed and you can download it from my, my website, which is exploringlucidreams.com. Cool. Um, the, a, a guy whose name I hesitate to say because I can never pronounce it, even though we communicate so often online, uh, Carlos Dumblanken. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's, <laughs> I'm terrible with, with foreign <laughs> names. Um but he, he was incredibly, well, he's an incredibly passionate man when it comes to the work of Saint-Denis. And after the Translating Dreams project wasn't successful, we, we discussed just how important it was to have a full translation. And he decided to, to take on the challenge himself. And being retired, he had enough time to sort of mm. put into that. And he's just completed it. He's done an, an absolutely amazing job considering that neither Eng- English or French are his mother tongue and and he's offering it for free so it's a free download from my, either mine or his website um and also over the course of the next year or so i'm going to to tidy up his translation because there's a few little bits in there which could do with tweaking and have it printed as a, a paperback for those who aren't so keen on ebooks so that that's all to come as well which is quite exciting very cool and it's it's a fascinating read i mean i think anyone who is genuinely interested in lucid dreaming should read sandini's work because he was forgotten after his death mm. and people like freud took over and took the whole subject of dreaming down what i personally feel was the wrong path and if sandini had taken his place if his work had been the basis for modern dream research, I think we'd be in a very different place and far more advanced than we are at the moment. Very interesting. I'm, I'm curious to read it and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, so, uh, but uh, you were asking something else. It was anamnesis. That was right. So uh, essentially they, they were very passionate about making a show, which was as close to the true experience of lucid dreaming as possible. And I offered to help them to, to do that. And just, it was all done online, obviously being on different sides of the pond. Yeah. And they'd send me script, the scripts and sort of ideas, and I'd just check through them and send them back what I believed would be good corrections. Um, obviously, allowing for artistic uh, freedom, but they they were they were very receptive, and it was interesting to to see tiny details, those little details hidden throughout the the show, which unless you're a lucid dreamer, and even if you are, you probably may still not notice them. But I, I would recommend it. it anyone who's watched it to go watch it again and just maybe not focus so much on the story, just focus on the environment and see what's going on. There's, there's lots to pick up on. It's quite, yeah, they've, it was, they've been very good with it. Really, really well made in, in a variety of ways. And uh, it's worth even watching the preceding um, short film that, that sort of launched the, the series. Oh ah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really. It's 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 such a shame that it, it hasn't been picked up, and I I think at this point, from what they've mentioned, they they're not planning to take it any further, which is a shame. And maybe we should all uh, email them and beg them to do more because I think it it really deserves to we, be. We need to email to a full uh, email Netflix and 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 tell them to pick this up. Yeah, yeah. They've been. Uh, they've been um, I mean. Uh, uh, funding uh, some really good projects, so who knows? Yeah, and I mean, they did such a stellar job on such a small budget. It was uh, uh, the cinematography is just remarkable. I keep I keep being flabbergasted by it, and it's just amazing. Yeah, what they did in such a short yeah. amount of time. Yeah, it was it was wonderful to be involved, and it was they're, they're such lovely guys that they do, they deserve to do very very well for themselves. And I I wish them all the best, and I hope that whatever projects they work on, they they go on to do very well with. I have very little doubt that they, they you know, that they, they will. They're, there's just yeah. really, uh, really good craftsmanship in terms of uh, yeah. uh, video. Um, so I, I mentioned uh, Arthur briefly, who's, uh, you know, just a, a, an internet friend and, and friend of the show and someone who uh, uh, interacts often with uh, both technology community and spirituality and lucid dreaming and yeah, in VR and so on, um, and he he's the one who who suggested to bring you on the podcast, and he also suggested uh, a question. I guess something that you've talked about previously somewhere about the relationship between lucid dreaming and virtual reality, which I I think there's a lot of parallels, and I think there's uh, uh, a lot of connection, and it's a fascinating topic. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's not a great deal that can be said at this point, unfortunately. I. I share his his passion for this subject, and it's one of the things I want to explore in the the Kickstarter project I'm running at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, virtual reality; it's still so much in its infancy that we have no idea how it's going to impact on on the dream lives of of, of its users. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I mean, I can oh, give you I can give you my take, and you can tell me what you think. Yeah. So there's there's two um, main components that I've been thinking about. One is that I've started describing uh, lucid dreaming, at least to some people, uh, as as I say, imagine virtual reality fifty or a hundred years into the future. Yeah. So we lost the goggles. It's either straight to the brain or some something on the retina or something, and it's full body suit, uh, and it's just full immersion photorealistic uh, with, uh, you know, EEG brain control over the environment and you create it in real time. So imagine like VR from the far future, that's what lucid dreaming already is today to a large degree, minus the stability. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, and and much more than that as well. I mean, the, yeah, I, I, I can't see virtual reality ever quite matching the, uh, I'm not quite sure what the word would be. Um, it's so direct. Psychological component? Yeah. yeah. Just it. I mean, you're dealing with the organ you use to perceive reality, which is then forming a new reality and handing it back to you. So you, no, no one knows you better than your own brain. And unless, unless we have some kind of system which can preempt that or you download your, your knowledge base into the system, I, I, I can't see, at least not for a very long time, virtual reality matching that well i think it, 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 and this is definitely far far into the future but it, it at some point we will get like like the book nexus which is a fantastic sci-fi book by ramez nam um 
is is when we get to a level where it's I don't know like nano uh, nanobots yeah. uh, hooking up to your neurons, then basically and sort of input output it both reads from your brain and redirects back to your brain yeah. might have a, a sort of feedback loop that has the type of interaction that you can produce in a lucid dream. But of course, that's you know who knows at what point we'll get to that. Uh, so yeah, it's a shame we we won't live to see such technologies. It's because it's so exciting. Um, but we, we but we have that technology now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, and that and that's the biggest pitch for lucid dreaming, which is the second part that I think that virtual reality might actually end up being a good sell or a good or, or a, a, a gateway sort of glimpse into lucid dreaming. Yeah, because the craze that is seems to happening, uh, uh, the reemergence of the in, enthusiasm for virtual reality. I think the reasons people are interested in VR are very much, uh, at least in large part, the same reasons that people want a lucid dream. Yeah. They want a virtual environment uh, where they can experience the unimaginable, yeah. uh, in a sense. It, it's, uh, I think, part of human nature. I mean, we're, we're storytellers and we, we love a good story. We have done since the dawn of our species. And lucid dreaming, virtual reality, these are, these are just such an old instinct just expressing itself with the latest technology or um yeah and i mean one thing i can see happening relatively soon with virtual reality are say for example dealing with people with repetitive nightmares mm -hmm. it would be very easy to recreate via virtual reality the nightmare environment that this person is experiencing and to they're already working on that. Oh, are they really? Oh, okay, that's. You'll have to send me. Yeah. Send me some information on that. I'm not aware of that. Well, that's. Oh, well, there we go. Someone's beat me to the idea. Damn it! <laughs> Always happens. <laughs> no, it's it's great, and it's such a logical uh, thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's obviously one of the reasons I want to make lucid dreaming or help somehow make lucid dreaming more commonplace and more easy to achieve. Yeah. Um. There's so much that can be done with with such environments. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's, fa it's a fascinating uh, endless topic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th I think the the danger, which is something I've touched on a few times, is just that virtual reality will be so much easier to experience that it may siphon off a large portion of people who would have been interested in lucid dreaming, who want to go down the sort of push button instant gratification route, which. It's completely understandable. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Except that there's a interesting phenomena um, that I've noticed on uh, in two places. One, there's a um, this, the on Reddit. There's a subreddit for the Oculus Rift, which is the the VR goggles. Yeah. Um, for, for by Oculus, and people have, and I, I know I know it's also anecdotal, but I've seen a few people ask suddenly uh, the community, "Hey." Does anybody who've been, you know, using the development kit have started lucid dreaming? I think uh, being immersed in this sort of uh, virtual environment has triggered some aspect of uh, of increased lucidity, and I think that there's maybe a possible connection. And there's been a study about video games and increased lucidity yeah. that seems to be a connection. So there there might be something here that would actually, strictly from the use of VR, will uh, at least for some uh you know facilitate uh, a, a more loose, more frequent lucidity yeah I've, I've heard the same sorts of things and i i think 
possibly it's just it's giving people an experience of a different reality the fact that they can have more than just one reality once once your mind opens to that possibility yeah um if maybe it's a natural side effect to then notice that dreaming dreams are also a different reality and perhaps it's as simple as that just this this concept that as a human being we're now able to experience multiple realities yeah so i, I was wondering if in part it's uh being immersed for several hours sometimes in a, in a visual experience of looking at your body running around from the third person perspective, which is very common in dreams, uh, lucid or otherwise, yeah. and getting used to that experience and then more instantly recognizing it when it happens in a dream. But who knows? I mean, there's yeah. just so much to explore there. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point you bring up because I, I've never, never once experienced a third person Dream, really? Which is, a, yeah, it's a, not been part of my dream experience at all. It's so, fascinating. They are the vast majority of my dreams. Oh, really? Um, yes. are, you, are you a big a big gamer? Do you game a lot? Is that possibly? I, I a... was as a kid, and I haven't for the longest time, and now I'm getting back into games. Um, but but my dreams uh, have, have often been, uh, for the most part, at least more than 50% for sure, uh, third-person perspective, and they fluctuate and alternate between first person and third person, especially in lucid dreams, but not always. That's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, and here's another. It's always, it's always wonderful when you meet someone who has a, a totally different experience of the same thing. It's, it's... Right, right. And this is part of what is fascinating to me about this concept that I've been thinking about and, 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 was, and the reason why your Kickstarter campaign, which we'll get to right now, uh, is very intriguing to me. Because I've always wanted, and I, I, would, I wasn't even sure how that would look, but to try to map the, the, the occurrence or the, the world of lucid dreaming in some sense of trying to figure out what the mechanisms are, how it works within the experience itself, I mean. What's possible and not possible, if there is such a thing as not possible. Uh, you know, people have started looking at how time works. Yeah. In a, in a lucid dream and all these kinds of things. I, I, I was hoping that we can sort of map the, the, the arena, the world of lucid dreaming experientially. Yeah. And when I saw your Kickstarter campaign, uh, I've had lots of questions, but at least it sounded like that, it, that might be a, a partial component from it. it so it's, do, you want to, it's, do you want to tell me about the, the, the new book and the campaign and everything you're... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's... it's probably insanely ambitious but the, the the basic it's called the lucid dreamer's guide to the cosmos and essentially the name kind of sums up what the angle i'm taking here which is rather than be books just based around lucid dreaming it's going to be a, a series of books ideally ongoing from now until i can't write any longer which will each take a, a segment of our experience of reality uh, of one particular topic, so it could be virtual reality, it could be biology, uh, philosophy, time, or time travel, and anything you can think of, really, which is a, a, a topic that's of interest. And then to... Uh, it's really hard to put this in a nutshell. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, I can ask some, some leading questions about this, because, uh, um, again, you you say some some things like, you know, it's exploring space, time, consciousness, reality, microbiology, philosophy, and more. And the book topics includes, you know, 
virtual reality, mindfulness, the solar system, the natural world. Um, so how, how does microbiology, for example, tie into this? What would that even look like? Um, well, to, to take a really, a really simple, a really simple example would be, well, the, actually, it jumps back to the the work of Sandini in a way, which he he was a strong believer that you couldn't dream of anything that you hadn't experienced in the waking world, which I'm not completely on board with that idea, but I think there's some truth to it. I think that our dream experiences are a creative mixing of experiences we've already had. So if if you take that idea further, then our dreams are built from our knowledge, our experiences, etc. So if one develops knowledge in a certain area, then you're giving your mind more to work with. Your dreams can become more complicated, more true to reality, and you're just expanding your mind. So with the microbiology topic, a large section of that particular book would explore sort of microbial worlds and just the science behind that. And as we're doing that, we will be looking into how you could experience that as a lucid dreamer. So I'm not sure whether I'm making myself perfectly clear here, but um, it's I want to put people's minds into that world I see. so that they can then rebuild that world in the full three-dimensional virtual reality space of lucid dreaming and and it be accurate so you you want to give them the material to build lucid dreams from yeah ah. and that that's one aspect of it but okay. that, that's sort of the basic principle behind the the series but i want to take it further than that as well so um it's going to be quite a an, an evolving project because I want to work with the community of dreamers to, so I, I don't want to be, like I said at the very beginning of our conversation, I don't want to put myself on a pedestal and tell people what to do. I'd rather just be a conduit for other people's ideas to, to come through. Mm-hmm. So I'll be working with forums such as dream views and Reddit just to, to get other people and their experiences in the books and even have sort of guest writers and just work with scientists in different fields and just try and get as much in there as possible. Sort of break away from the whole, this is a book on how to lucid dream and then leave it up to the person to work out what to do next. It would be nice to have this community idea of what can we explore and then use the funding from these books to invest in research and promoting things further and one silly thing that i want to do just to sort of shake or rock the boat of lucid dreaming as well (laughs) is to invite in invite everyone who claims to be a lucid dreaming expert into a sleep laboratory oh i love this and and have them recorded having a lucid dream (laughs) under laboratory conditions just because we have no way of testing this at the moment and anyone can put themselves out there saying i lucid dream every night and how do we know (laughs) Really? How do I, we wonder, I, I wonder how many people would agree to do it, but... Uh, that, that would be very telling in itself, wouldn't it? It would be fascinating, and I, I think it's important. I mean, I mean, it's it's worrying because, you know, none of us can 100% guarantee we'll have a lucid dream on a given night, but um, 
I, I, just, I think it would be interesting. I, th- I think it would be a fun thing to do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to, in, in some people's defense, it's, uh, and I, I, I know this, uh, <laughs> that it's, it's harder to perform uh, in a lab, not in your bed, and with wires coming out of your head. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, with, with a few tries uh, in, in real expertise, it's, it's supposed to be doable. Uh, but, yeah. but I like this, this interesting, weird uh, idea of like the James Randi uh, challenge for lucid dreamers. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's a, a little bit silly, but I just think it would be a nice way to, to draw a bit of attention to the field. I think yeah. the news outlets around the world would be fascinated by this, which would then further promote the, the topic. Well, I, I mean, I think the benefit of having the, the, the quote unquote experts, or at least the, the really well-versed uh, dreamers, lucid dreamers in a lab is that it's still hard for researchers to actually get recorded dreams, uh, lucid dreams in a lab. Yeah. And that alone, I mean, uh, I would want the, the, the people who can do this uh, pretty much on demand uh, to, vo- to, to volunteer their time for, for the sake of, this, of lucid dreaming science. And that would, yeah. be, that would be amazing. Because there's more, there's growing interest in, in uh, the scientific community with, with lucid dreaming. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just just running the Kickstarter, I've already had well, a lot of emails from people around the world who their experience and their ability to lucid dream is fascinating. I mean, there are some people who are claiming to be able to sort of enter enter wilds virtually at the drop of a hat. It would be fascinating to get them into labs and sort of get them yeah you, you, using their skills for something better than just their own entertainment. Um, but the, the whole principle of the, the lucid dreamers guide to the cosmos is it's a series of books exploring the cosmos through the eyes of a lucid dreamer in order to promote and invest into the subject. So I don't want it to be, it's going to be a circular thing. The money that goes into the books goes back into lucid dreaming. Um, I'm a relatively frugal human being. I, (laughs) I enjoy a simple life and I'm happy to write. And I'm happy to invest all of my time into promoting and advancing lucid dreaming. And I can do that on a, on a shoestring. Yeah. And I would just like to help the community sort of find a cohesion and something to get behind and just push the whole thing in a really positive direction rather than sort of the endless cycle that we've got of the moment, yeah. at the moment of the, the new experts telling you how to do the basics and then a few years later, someone else pops up. The same thing happens again with a different flavor, and <laughs> it's it, it, it gets boring. And I understand that there's always going to be people coming to the subject needing to learn from scratch. But at the same time, there are thousands of us who want to be exploring this much deeper. Yeah, I, I get a bunch of um, uh, emails um, either asking if people can come on the podcast to talk, or yeah. if I can promote their new website about lucid dreaming uh, and, or, or just my opinion about their website and read and, and let them know what they think, what I think. And I always say, if you don't, uh, if you don't feel that you're actually contributing something new, ask yourself why write the same thing. Uh, yeah. And, and would, are you helping yourself and are you helping others in that? Um, so, but let me just, let me just see that I understand the whole Kickstarter uh, project uh, correctly. Yeah. So it is to, basically launched this series of books via the first book. So the, the, the campaign is to, in order, order to create the first book, which will actually is not a predefined, completely set thing, but a process of sort of 
um, bringing in all this information and put it to, putting it together. Yeah, it's it, it'll be a completely interactive process. I really like I say I want to be the conduit. I'll I'll put my own slant into it and I'll be the sort of bandmaster as it were. But that that's it. The the community will be the musicians playing the music of the book, and I shall just be trying yeah. to keep it all in time and getting it out there for people. Yeah, I think I'm I'm getting the the concept much better now, definitely. And I you know even on the Kickstarter page. Uh, the concept of a Carl Sagan or Alan Watts-like, uh, you know, approach to this subject is uh, is definitely right up my alley. So I, I like that. You can understand that it's a it's such a a broad sort of goal that it's quite hard to define in simple terms. And the nature of a Kickstarter page, you have to sort of yeah, you know, condense things into very simple concepts. And if you saw the first draft of the page, you'd laugh. It was ten times longer, and people. I ran it by just laughed at me. So um, I've tried to tried to condense a very complicated and big ambitious project into a simple explanation. But hopefully, this podcast will go some way to give people an idea. Yeah, hopefully. Well, you know, writers gonna write, so uh, yeah, yeah, can't, can't help themselves. <laughs> um, when when uh, when uh, Mike, a uh, friend of the show and uh, the person I interviewed last episode. Um, and, and one of the writers on lucidstage.com, I, you know, he found out you're coming on the podcast and, and sent in a, a couple of questions that I wanted to run by you because yeah, sure. again, it's a, a little more nuanced, uh, look at some of these things. So I think you, you said also about the first book and this, this relates to the campaign, uh, that it will include, uh, in, 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 obviously every time you have a first book in a thing about lucid dreaming, you still have to include the, the guides and the, the, the usual rundowns. Uh, so it says uh, it'll include an in-depth guide to mastering the skills of lucid dreaming way beyond anything that currently exists. Can you give us a little taste of uh, of what's not in currently in publication that that, you, that might be included in that? Kind of, it's kind of tricky because that is still a work in progress. I I think there's such a a vast amount of information out there which is yet to be put into one singular volume, mostly from the community mm. that. I will, what I'll be doing is basically asking the community, what do you want in there? What do you think is the most important techniques? So that will be where a lot of the collaboration comes in is sort of this dem this democratic process of... Yeah, I, I have been fascinated by the what I call the DIY techniques, which I, I did an episode about uh, because of the fact or the, the apparent fact that not everything works for everybody and it's kind of cool to see people experimenting in their own laboratory at home and coming up with techniques that work for them and then share it you know on reddit or on dreamviews and and letting other people try it as well and see if it works for them because there's always little yeah. just tricks or ways in which different people manage to get to that state and uh, you never know what actually would work for other people where everything else doesn't necessarily work for them so that's uh, that's pretty cool yeah um, and one thing with the, the first book, it's not going to be limited to just the content of the book. There'll be an online component to this. So cool. um, rather than take up all of the first book with technique after technique, which, you know, is just going to bore people to death, <laughs> uh, that a lot of that can exist in the online space. And I think maybe there'll be some kind of system involved of sort of an, an eBay rating system for each particular technique so that we can list them in order oh, of popularity cool. and effectiveness. yeah that's an interesting one 
I mean, I, I know that people have done a lot of, every once in a while, a, a survey pops up on Reddit and other places. And I think those are potentially helpful if, if somebody can aggregate all of them together uh, and, and get, uh, you know, more and more information um, on, on what works for most people. And that would be a great way to at least rank them in terms of what you should try first. Yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, certainly it's a, a lot to take on as a project, but this is why I want to work with the community because it's not a one person job and I'd be insane to take this on as one person. And it would be, it would be arrogant of me to do so. I, I don't have all the answers and I probably never will. And there's a lot of lucid dreamers out there who know a lot more about different aspects of it than I do. Yeah. So it, it'll be nice to sort of work together as a body rather than these sort of, you know, independent cells just trying to be the center of attention. Um, but yeah, as, as you say, with the forums, there, there's so so much good information, but it gets gets lost over time because you have, especially with Reddit, the you have these amazing high quality posts and really fascinating elements come up, and then they'll get buried under the the usual sort of questions of you know was this a lucid dream, which comes up every probably every hour. I yeah, expect. yeah, it's um, it's kind of inevitable, but yeah, I I, yeah. I hear you. So, so it'll be nice to capture some of those ideas for all time rather than the sort of transitory nature of, of places like Reddit and Dreamviews, et cetera. I like that. Well, we're, we're coming up on an hour. I'm going to let you go in a minute. But uh, there's another question that, that Mike said that I find interesting, and maybe you can give me some thoughts on this. Um, we, uh, you said we have, to, we have to see our dreams for what they are, both magnificent and mundane all at, the same, all at once. Uh, he's asking, what are some of the ways you recommend uh, that we approach dreams on their own terms and work with them? Because this this is a this is a fascinating aspect, and I think in on the Kickstarter page you go into a little more details about it, where people often elevate uh, everything uh, to sort of high special spiritual experiences. Uh, when some of those cases, I, I think. I remember who it was, but somebody uh, was pointing out that Freud was reducing everything to infantile stuff, and and Jung yeah. uh, elevated everything to spiritual and important. Where the truth is somewhere in between. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's. I mean, you've almost answered the question there. It's. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's that that middle ground. I mean, there, uh, there's one friend of mine who's a very talented lucid dreamer, and she is limited to almost every single lucid dream starts in the bathroom hmm. she just that that's her cue <laughs> and i mean it, it couldn't get more mundane than yeah. you know yeah your liftoff point being the bathroom and it and the spiritual aspect as well i mean just because something feels deeply meaningful in a particular dream experience you could say the equivalent of you might dream of winning the lottery. That doesn't mean you wake up with a million dollars. Right. So n not all spiritual experiences are valuable. They might be moving, but not necessarily as true as they appear at the time. Um, I think it's just, it's finding that realistic human aspect to it because we, I think if we elevate things too much, then it puts people off or it makes them feel bad about themselves when their dreams are dreams of the bathroom or yeah. dreams of trying to find something that they can't find. I mean, a lot of our dreaming experiences are just reflections of, of reflections and worries of our daily life, just repeated 
again and again. I mean, we've all had, especially when you've got the, the flu or some kind of illness, dreams of the the hideous repetitiveness that can occasionally happen. And, and even the lucid dreams where your ability to control the dream is horrifically limited. Again, that's not mentioned much. And it, it's nice to just accept that whilst there are these amazing heights that can be reached that the majority of the experiences are going to be somewhat more human and more more average and that there's nothing wrong with that because that's what we are but at the same time that's it's kind of miraculous in its own way that there's nothing to be ashamed of by being a human being with yeah day-to-day concerns i mean it's all yeah it's all still a miracle we're still these amazing creatures living in in this amazing marvelous universe so the mundane is in itself magnificent but let's not ignore that i think uh that makes a lot of sense to me and i i think that we haven't really figured out um the whole process of meaning making uh in in just just creating meaning in day-to-day waking life yeah so let alone when we have you know these experiences that are uh, are coming from probably a lot of the unconscious mind or uh, just they're just abstract in nature and uh, far more erratic and we're trying to make meaning of those uh, is is uh, much much harder yeah so yeah that makes makes a lot of sense yeah well Daniel I, I'm, I'm really delighted uh, that, that you came on the podcast and kind of getting to know you a little better I really love your approach yes. I uh, I am now more excited about the the Kickstarter campaign and this book now okay. that I, I have a better picture of it it's really really cool I do want to mention um, that we're we're going to have you doing uh, an AMA and ask me anything on Reddit on the nineteenth uh, of June. Yep. Uh, S- Sunday the nineteenth. Uh, it's uh, eleven a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time and seven p.m. British Standard Time. Yep. Is that what it stands for? BST. Uh, British Summer Time. British Summer Time. Yep. Okay, I, I, oh, I was very close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so do, do you want to tell, I, I'm going to link to everything in the show notes, of course, but do you want to tell people where to find you and yeah, uh, um, the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, I'll do the, the embarrassing sort of pushing my stuff here. Um, you can find me at exploringluciddreams.com and the Kickstarter can be found at luciddreamersguide.com. Uh, but yeah, otherwise Google or look in the uh, the links below, that's... That's yeah, easy. yeah. People can also search uh, uh, "lucid" the "Lucid Dreamer's Guide to the Cosmos" on Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. You're on Twitter on uh, uh, "Are you lucid dreaming?" Unders- uh, lucid, oh, lucid underscore dreaming, I think, is the uh, yes. I, I should I should know this off the top of my head, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not much of a self promoter. I've always found it a bit embarrassing, but uh, yeah, yeah. But it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I've very much enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. I thought it was uh, very interesting and uh, I hope to continue to chat with Daniel in the future. And um, before I wrap up this episode, there's one thing I wanted to ask. I've been, uh, if you've heard this podcast before, you know I've been looking into all sorts of ways to see what I can do with this podcast and how I can uh, continue to support it. Uh, Checked into all sorts of ads and so on. And I've also realized that a lot of the podcasts that I love um, use the patronage model of sorts, uh, including ones that I support um, anywhere from 
uh, Buddhist Geeks, uh, to the Waking Up podcast by Sam Harris, and Dr. Rhonda Patrick, um, podcast called Found My Fitness. So it occurred to me that um, I obviously have no problem supporting others in this way for podcasts that I love, and I thought it's worth a shot, and um, maybe I can put a Patreon page and um, see if people are willing to support the podcast one episode at a time. Uh, I think it's something like you can either put any amount or just $1 per episode or something like that, and I'm just going to give it a try. So if you're interested in supporting this podcast, uh, other than just sharing it and your awesome feedback that I get uh, in email and on Twitter, then you can go to patreon.com slash luciddreaming to become a Patreon. I thank you very much for that. So that's it for our episode. Once again, I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any comments, questions, concern, thoughts, poems, jokes that you want to send me, you can email me at contact at lucidsage.com. You can find me on Twitter always at the lucidsage. And um, thanks, sweet and lucid dreams.